Now, I'm titling this message today, Win the Battle Against Your Anxious Thoughts. I think this is one of the big things that we're really going through as a society right now, we're really going through as people, is this idea of life is anxious. And I know that one of the things I try to do is I, I like to think that I'm an intellectual. Is there anyone here who likes to think that you're an intellectual? Well, I don't know if I am. You know why I claim that I am? Because I read the New York Times every day. So let's look at a couple New York Times articles, and I'm going to show you the relevance of anxiety. Ready? Okay, some recent headlines. Broken hearts, anxiety, and exercise. I guess those go together. Okay, let's try another one. Health panel recommends anxiety screening for all adults under 65. Ooh. What school anxiety dreams teach us about ourselves? Now, I had a church anxiety dream um, this past week, so that was fun. Uh, any school anxiety dreams? Do we ever have that? Yeah, we go way back. Not just if you're a teacher, anybody has that. Let's try a couple more. Hangxiety, how a night of drinking can tank your mood. And this one doesn't use the word anxiety, but I, I think we get the point. Ready for this? When Facebook actually broke my brain. Here's the problem. We're going to throw a problem up on the screen. We are anxious. Can we agree? Who feels like we've got some anxious? I'm not talking about clinically diagnosed anxiety. I want to be really clear. Today we're going to talk about anxious thoughts. We're not going to say that we stand in for medical care. If you are dealing with a level of anxiety that is on a medical diagnosis level, at the end we're going to have a time to pray. We'd love to have you come forward. We'd love to pray with you. But then we'd also love to talk to you maybe about some next steps on that journey. We're not talking about medically diagnosed clinical anxiety. We're just talking about that we're anxious. Our culture is anxious. Life is anxious. It's not just like those couple of headlines. We have just all these different things we deal with that just on our day-to-day, -day, it can feel like, we're, like a lot. Now, here's, here's my question. And I want you to raise your hand on this, and I think we're all going to have a hand up in the air. Have you in the past week, and we'll start putting hands up, felt anxious about a job? Felt, and keep them up. Felt anxious about a relationship or a marriage? Felt anxious about parenting? Felt anxious about not parenting? <laughs> I don't know. Let's do a couple more. Felt anxious about your sports team? Sorry, Mac Jones. What about found anxious about the polarization of society? Let's just keep them up, this accumulative anxiety. What about felt anxious about the future? Felt anxious about the past? Felt anxious about the fact that different people seem to have different ideas of the present? I think we can all agree that we are anxious. I want to put those hands up and I want us to pray together. Here we go. I'm going to pray over all of us, including me. Father God, we are anxious. We live in a time of anxiety. God, I ask that each person gathered here, whether in person or on a screen, that we could trust your Holy Spirit, that we could learn to take some of the biblical practices of Jesus and start to say, wow, yes, life is hard, things are anxious, but with you, life can become a little simpler. I pray for each person here in our marriages, in our parenting, in our workplace, in our concern about the past or the future, in all parts of our lives. Give us peace today in this moment. Amen. Amen. 
So, I think we can all agree this is a unifying issue. I want to talk about anxious thoughts. Again, we're not talking clinically diagnosed anxiety. That's the last time I'm going to clarify. If you are dealing with that, that is a separate thing, a very important thing. That's not what we're talking about today. I want to talk about three different things real quick. I want to talk about worry. I want to talk about stress. And I want to talk about anxious thoughts because I think we get these a little bit confused. Worry are the negative things that get stuck in my head. We can have short-term worry and long-term worry. Let me give you an example from last Thursday for you. Every Thursday or day of the week that ends in a Y, I have to get in my car and I have to drive somewhere, right? And on the, the weekdays, I have, I'm a teacher, so I go from my house in Carver to my teaching job in Plymouth. Now, I worried, did I grab my laptop? So quickly I looked, and there it was, and life was good. So not all worry is necessarily bad. We, we have worries that are short-term worries in our life. But sometimes we have longer worries that maybe aren't helpful. For example, if I sat there on that ride, and I got the laptop, but now I'm worrying, is my laptop going to work at school today? When I have no reason to think that it won't, that's not necessarily helpful. But can we agree we deal with those kind of worries? Now, stress is something a little different than worry. Stress is something going on on the inside that shows me there's something happening on the outside, an inward feeling reflecting an outward reality. Let me give you an example. Here was my Thursday. I'm not making this up. I had a legal report I had to submit. I had a meeting with my boss. I had a meeting with another one of my bosses. I had a meeting that was going to involve a parent. I had a paper that I needed to get started for seminary. I had another paper I had to finish for seminary. I had 120 pages of reading. I had all my typical things that are part of my teaching schedule. I had an important afternoon meeting. I had a presentation in the evening I had to make. And then I also, you know what I had? My family that I didn't want to make an afterthought. And so all these things started to be stressors, right? We have these stressors in our lives. But anxious thoughts is where the two roads meet. And then it becomes often not helpful. It leads to narratives in our life like, I'm too busy, I'm too worried, I'm not good enough, I'm a bad dad, I'm a bad husband, right? And these anxious thoughts, and I'm going to fail, I always fail, these kind of things. Now, they're lies, they're not true, but we start to face these in our lives. Now, Mark 6, we read a whole bunch of things about Jesus. Then there was a thing in the middle where basically the closest thing Jesus had to a relative and a peer, a colleague, was just randomly killed. Jesus lived in really anxious times, just like us. This is not unique to us. Jesus had many opportunities where he needed to fight the battle against his anxious thoughts. Let's look at what happens in Mark 6 real quick, because in Mark 6, Jesus shows us how to win the battle against our anxious thoughts. I'm not going to reread it. I'm going to summarize it as we throw up kind of our key slide here. And so we're going to look at this. Who is Jesus? He shows us how to win the battle against our anxious thoughts as we go to this next slide right here. So Jesus goes home, and he's rejected. This is everybody's worst-case scenario. I have my 15-year high school uh, reunion coming up that I'm probably not going to go to. 
Why am I probably not going to go to? Because I don't want to feel rejected, right? I don't want to feel like a nobody. Jesus goes to his reunion, and they scoff at him. Have you ever been scoffed at? That's hard. That's, that's so deflating. That deflates my balloon. That is horrible. And Jesus goes through that. Imagine what it was like for Jesus. He goes home. He's Jesus. Like, he's not just some prophet. He's Jesus. Like, Jesus the guy. Like, the actual Jesus. And they're like, oh, you're just the son of Mary. Come on. You're a nobody. But look what continues to happen in there. He sends under-equipped guys out intentionally under-equipped, and now they have an opportunity to maybe succeed, maybe to fail. This happens later in the verse because he sends the disciples out two by two with very little. And notice what he does. He says, I want you to do this, but if you get rejected, to shake the dust off and move on. We continue to go through. You see that the puppet king, the false king Herod, puts John to death kind of randomly. Makes us think of things happen in our lives, we look at it and we're like, that doesn't make sense at all. And then we start, if we've got that narrative in our head, if we're fighting the battle against anxious thoughts, we're like, see, this is all of my fears come realized. Look what just happened to blank. Look what just happened to John the Baptist. Of course I'm a failure because John the Baptist was randomly beheaded. But Jesus doesn't do that because we see that he continues on. He fights that battle against his anxious thoughts and the mission's successful with those disciples. Those kind of knuckle-headed guys do a pretty good job. They heal people. They cast out demons. And then Jesus and all his buddies need a break. And what happens? Crowds don't want to give Jesus a break. They say, Jesus, you don't need to take a day off. You're not going to go sit and with the remote and watch Sunday afternoon football. No, we need you now. And Jesus has compassion. And so he sees the people as lost, as sheep without a shepherd is what the text tells us. And so he continues teaching. But the problem is, is Jesus is so effective that this huge crowd forms and it's dinner time. And now we have a problem. Because who has children at your house? Okay. Um, has anyone ever, like me, thought that it's okay to push dinner off to like 7 p.m.? So that's a fatal parenting fail. Okay, really bad. Like all the thumbs down, right? Not just two, all the thumbs down. Jesus kind of pushes dinner off until 7 p.m., and the people are getting hangry. But instead of freaking out at the situation, instead of losing the battle against his anxious thoughts, what happens? We're going to talk about this. Jesus asks questions. Jesus has the people gather themselves, and he praises and he blesses, and yes, he performs a miracle. But another miracle that we really have to look at is Jesus, and we can follow this too, this is a miracle that can happen in your life. When you have an opportunity to freak out, if you just pray and say, God, I give you the situation right now and don't freak out, that's a miracle. That's amazing, okay? And that happens. Then the story's not over because then there's a whole walking on water situation and the disciples panic and Jesus again says, guys, calm down. Like, what are we doing? I'm Jesus. I've done this. I've calmed the storm before. Yes, now I'm walking on water. But calm down, please. Seriously. Now, here is our thing for today. Sometimes we say, Jesus shows me how to win the battle against my anxious thoughts, and I really would love that. Who'd, who'd like to win the battle against your anxious thoughts today? Okay, me too. Now, the problem is, this Jesus bar can be really hard 
to do. Because if someone says to you, you're having a bad day, and someone says, hey, just be a little more Jesus, right? Is that helpful? I mean, like, I guess, but not really. So I want to look to the natural world for a moment. You all know I love props. I'm going to have something special in this bag. I'm going to give you a little tool that I'm going to say, before we even think about being like Jesus, we're going to see today five biblical practices that are going to help us fight the battle against our anxious thoughts. Because with Jesus, I can win the battle against my anxious thoughts. But we're going to start, these are all from Jesus. You're going to look, we're going to take five quick things from this text, actions that Jesus takes that if each of us puts into practice today, that battle is starting to go in a very different direction. Things are, we're going to see some victory. But we're not going to start with Jesus. What do you think is in here? I want two guesses. What does David have in here? And if you know, please don't spoil it. I want one guess from over here. Give me a guess. Cookies. Okay. Uh, I don't have cookies. Wouldn't that be nice? Oatmeal, chocolate chip. Sorry, no cookies. One other guess from over here. A Bible. Well, I, that, see, that would be appropriate. I do have a Bible up there we'll talk about. Let me show you what I got. You ready? I have a giant duck. Okay. My friends, sometimes it's hard to be like Jesus. But can we agree that if we have to imitate a duck, that's doable? Okay. Here's practice number one. Throw it up on the screen. Don't buy into the story. So you see very early on, Jesus goes to his homecoming and they scoff at him. Let's take a look. This is verse 3, a little bit of 4. Keep looking at the duck. They scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Who likes being scoffed at? Anybody? Okay, the duck in the natural world. Now, early on in the days of the pandemic, I got chased by a goose. Has anyone ever been chased by a goose? <laughs> My daughter and I were in a cranberry bog with a stroller. She was about eight months old. Another parenting fail. Sorry. I'm... Look, at, we're not going to buy into the story. I'm not a bad dad. Look, we're not going to buy into the story. Now, another parenting fail. So I get chased by a goose. I've also, has anyone ever been chased by a nasty swan? Uh, you don't want to because those things are vicious. Okay, ducks are great. You know what ducks do? They quack and eat bread. Now, if you have a story of a duck being vicious, I don't. So we're going to go with this. The duck is just kind of chill. The duck kind of goes on the water. Now, it actually has to do something. The duck doesn't just float. The little feet are going back and forth, right? The duck's doing its business, but it's just calm and it's chill. So in our lives, we can say, wow, I can just be like the duck. And now, how do I not buy in the story? The natural world, like the duck, doesn't really have the capacity to think about the past and worry about it or to, to fixate on the future and have all the anxious thoughts about the future. You know what the duck does? It quacks. You know what else it does? It quacks. Okay? Be like the duck. The story that starts to develop, let's talk about some of these narratives, okay? So Jesus has to deal with the, you're a fraud, you're a nobody, you grew up here, get out of here, Jesus, you're ridiculous. Maybe we have to deal with that, and that's a hard story to face. I'm too busy. Anybody ever feel I'm too busy? That's a story, that's a lie, you're not too busy. If you're here, you're not too busy. 
You're not too busy if you're in church. You did you'd get an A. You're here with your church family talking about Jesus, reading the Bible. You're not too busy. We can reject that story. What about, and this is, anybody ever feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm not a good spouse. Anybody ever feel like that? You don't have to put your hand up, but I sometimes feel like that. That's not true. I'm going to give you another little thing the duck does. The duck never starts on the past or the present or the future. The duck just is the duck. The duck starts at zero. The duck doesn't walk in and think about everything that's happened right before and be like, oh, it's the end of the world. Has anyone ever gone down to the Jenny Gristmill and seen ducks just like sobbing uncontrollably? (laughs) Probably not. Okay. Start at zero. You're going to have something hard this afternoon. I don't know what it is. It's going to be hard for everybody and different for everybody. In that moment, you can say, wow, I'm going to bring in all the baggage of the story. This person said this about me, so I'm so mad. I feel this way about me, so I'm so having a hard time about it. Or you can quack like the duck in your head. Don't do it out loud because people might think that's weird. And you can say, Jesus, when he was scoffed at, just kind of accepted and was like, I I guess if you're going to be weird, like... I'm just going to lay my hands on a couple people, and I'm going to have success, and I'm going to move on. Like, if you're not available to just, like, be cool and have a conversation right now, I'm not going to buy into this narrative of, like, I'm a failure. No, okay, this isn't working out. I'm going to move on. Practice number two. This is our other duck. Be okay with no. This is something that crushes us in society, and Jesus doesn't get crushed by it. He deals with a thousand no's. He deals with a thousand times where he's rejected, even at the, obviously at the end of the gospel, he's rejected to the point where he's crucified and he's put on the cross. But so often in our lives, no can be the biggest thing we fear. This is like my only movie reference. I promise I'll do like one or two today. Ready? Back to the Future. George McFly. I couldn't handle that kind of rejection when he's wondering should he ask out his future wife that he doesn't know is his future wife and Marty's just trying to be like, Dad, ask your wife out because I'm stuck in the past. Another story for another day. But be okay with no. There are times that we're going to have no as an answer and it doesn't need to crush us. Because when no crushes me, I'm defined by other people's thoughts. Let's go to something earlier in our sermon series. My identity is I'm dearly loved by God and bring him great joy. Remember that? No is Okay. If, you say, if I say, hey, can I have $5, and you say no, it's not the end of the world. I just remember, okay, I was told no, but I'm dearly loved. I bring God great joy. I can move on. Now, you can say, what does that have to do with the duck? Make way for ducklings. Who likes this story? Children's story. Okay, we're in New England. This is an easy one. Now, you probably remember Jack, Quack. How many of them can we name? Jack, There you go. You know lots of them. You know more than I do, and I'm the preacher giving the message. Now, With these duck, my friends. Do you know that that's not how the story begins? It's not about the ducklings. It's about the very beginning when Mr. Mallard says, I found a great place to land. And what does Mrs. Mallard say? Nope, this isn't the right place. And they look again and again and again. In the natural world, animals like a duck, they're okay with no. Not everything's going to work out. They just find the place that's going to work. In our lives, if rejection crushes us, then we're crushed by rejection. But if we start to say, hey, every no that I face just means there's a different opportunity. If I get a no in my job, right, let's say I've got a promotion I really want. Anybody have this? You don't have to raise your hand. I've got a promotion I really, really want. And I don't get it. 
And let's make it even worse. My coworker gets in, now they're my boss, okay? There's, there's other opportunities, there's other things. If, if my identity is just tied to that promotion, I am missing the whole idea. Because look what happens with Jesus. He says this in Mark 6, verse 11. This is when he's sending out the disciples two by two. He says this to them, If any place refuses to welcome you or to listen to you, shake its dust off your feet as you leave to show you have abandoned those people to their fate. Okay, in the ancient world, they wore sandals and you'd get dust in them from the desert and from the wilderness and from the streets. They didn't have paved roads, right? Who's ever gone to the beach and gotten a ton of sand all over your sandals, right? Then you track it into your car, and now it's all in your car. But that's okay, because even though we want clean cars, the reality is, is we had a good time at the beach. So life is fine. I got some sand from the beach in my car, not a big deal. And then it comes into my house and into my shower. And then two years later, I look in the mudroom or the entryway or the kitchen or under the refrigerator, and there's sand from the beach. And in good situations, that's okay. But when something doesn't work out, Jesus makes it very clear. Don't bring that sand in with you. Don't bring that dust in. Don't bring the dust of no in with you, that rejection. Just shake it off, and there's going to be other things. And it's very clear in the text, the disciples have incredible, incredible success. They lay hands on people. They cast out demons. They heal the sick. Life is really good when we say, no doesn't need to crush me. I can be okay with no. I don't have to like it. just have to accept it. We have a family friend who is a pastor and who was in a really, really, really difficult ministry. Nothing worked at this church. Nothing. And so finally, the end of his time at this church happens and he moves and he and his wife are in the moving truck, and they cross the county line to leave to go to their next church. And he and his wife get out of the car, shake the dust off of their... They literally take their shoes off, clang them together, have a prayer, and say, that's in the past. God has good things for us. Now, that's not a health and wealth prosperity idea. That is a, I don't have to be defined by the no. I don't have to look at the no and be like, I have a gospel of I'm a failure... I can reject that story. I can say, I don't have to buy in that story. I don't have to just be defined by that no. And instead, God has things for me in my life. So there's our duck. But now let's go to Jesus for our third practice. And this is a really great one. Ask questions. This is our next slide. Ask questions. Look in Mark 6, verse 38. How much bread do you have? Go and find out. Now this is, we've now fast forward a little bit. So now we've gotten to the point where Jesus has the group of people that are like the hangry teenagers. And he has an opportunity to either lose the battle to his anxious thoughts or he can say, wow, don't need to do that. And so Jesus simply does this practice of asking, what resources do I have? Think about the next time that you're having a really hard time and you're losing the battle with your anxious thoughts. If you go home, this is a, here's a David example. If I go home from a long day at work, and I'm feeling unappreciated at work, and I feel unappreciated in my car ride, and I go home and I'm like, oh, things, it's going to be like Disney World in my house, and I'm going to feel like it's the happiest place on earth. And then I go into my house, and things are as complicated as everywhere else, and, and right, and it's not perfect, okay? 
Is it more effective now to ask questions like, how can I help? Or to say a statement like, this is unacceptable. It's more helpful to say, how can I help? A dear friend of ours, uh, some of you may know Russ through the Emmaus community. He has a line that I really like. Russ says this, when you go home, you have to remember that a whole lot of living has been done by the time you got there. In our workplace, a whole lot of living has been done before you get there. So instead of the statement of, I find this ridiculous, in our, in our, in our communities with the polarization, a whole lot of living has been done before we got here. Right? You can take this and you can apply it to anything. So instead of just saying, this is unacceptable, I can't believe it, we can be like Jesus. Ask some questions. Now let's look at our next practice. After he asks questions, you know what he does next? People are wondering, why do you have a chair? He sits down. How many of the times when we've got anxious thoughts and we're sitting and being like, oh, it's the worst, are we pacing? Does anybody do this where you're just like, it is the worst, I'm so angry, I'm so upset, this is awful? Um, my wife pointed out recently that I tend to pace and bite my lip. Does anyone do this? I go like this when I'm really stressed out and it's really hard and I'm just like, oh, it's so hard. One of the simple practices we can do, and this is a Jesus practice, is simply sit down. This is classic Jesus. If you look at times where things get tense or difficult in the Gospels, he'll get low. There's a woman caught in adultery, and everybody wants to stone her. They literally want to kill this woman. And Jesus doesn't start shouting at them. He gets really low and starts writing something in the ground. There's another time where all these people have gathered and they're expecting this great message, and Jesus sits down to teach them. There's another time where Jesus faces this woman at the well in the part of the region where nobody likes going. It's on the, the wrong side of the tracks. And he sits down and he listens and he has a conversation. Because when we start to sit down, when we start to say, you know what, if, if I'm just buying into the negative energy, it only makes things worse. But remember what it says in the text. In the text, it says this. So at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus told the disciples to have people sit down in groups on the green grass. In our lives, when we have those anxious thoughts, when we're sitting and saying, I'm so frustrated, I'm so worried, instead of pacing around and shouting, try sitting down next time. Imagine, imagine this. This is something that's going to happen to you this week, I promise. I'm sorry, but this is true. You're going to have a conversation with someone that's going to go sideways and you're not going to be sure why. And then all the anxious thoughts are going to appear. I promise you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, this is just the truth. You're going to have something in your life where you think we're having one conversation, we're suddenly talking about something else. If I'm standing and pacing or challenging that person, my, my body posture, if I'm like this, trying to make myself big, that just furthers the tension and makes it more difficult. But if I, sometimes if I sit down, I've noticed that when I sit down, other people will match my energy. If I'm screaming and standing, people scream and stand. But if I'm sitting down and getting quiet, sometimes, it might take a couple minutes, people maybe sit down and say, okay, this isn't so difficult. And then, of course, our, our fifth practice and our final one is pray. And you can say, of course, that's what you tell us in church. Of course, we're here in church, but this is such a biblical practice. When we sit and start by ranting, when we're dealing with those anxious thoughts, 
doesn't make things better when we start that way. But when we first pray and give it to God, we start to see that things get a little calmer. Look at what happens, again, with Jesus in this part. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up to heaven, and blessed them. Imagine the next time you have a difficult moment, and instead of being all frustrated with everything going on in your head about the situation, you take the situation and you say, God, I want to bless this situation right now. Maybe you don't say it out loud. Maybe just in your head you, you sink for a moment while a person might be yelling at you, okay? person's yelling at you and you're sitting and having that battle against anxious thoughts or no one's yelling at you and you're feeling isolated and alone. And you sit and think, God, give this situation to you. I'm so grateful that you continue to work in my life. I'm so grateful for the ways you're faithful even when I'm not. God, I give this situation to you. Work something out of it. You'll be amazed how different it becomes. These are our practices to win the battle against your anxious thoughts. I want to throw a graphic up on the screen. These are not from me. These are from Jesus. Jesus does every single one of these. He doesn't buy into the story. You don't need to take the rejection that you're feeling and let that be the reality. He is okay with no. The reality is, is he's rejected a million times. The disciples are rejected. He asks questions. He sits down and he prays. And that takes me to this Bible. Someone said before I had a Bible in the bag, I didn't have a Bible in the bag, I had a duck in the bag. But I do have this Bible here. This is my grandmother Springer's Bible. A family member, my family doesn't talk about nearly enough, because if you've ever met Cushing's, we're not calm. Okay? We're not calm, quiet people. You know who was quiet and calm in our family? My grandmother Springer. Without going into details, I don't know a single person who went through more trials and difficult things and difficult cycles than my grandmother Springer. You would be shocked at all the things she had to go through. But the reality is she's one of the most remarkable people of faith I and my family and others have ever met in our entire lives and probably will. Can't see it too well, but here she is in her early 90s, before she passed. She was a kind, sweet woman because the reality is it's not that she didn't have those anxious thoughts. When she had the anxious thoughts, she'd grab her Bible and she'd go in the other room and she'd be quiet for a minute. Maybe it was being okay with no. She did all these. Maybe it was underlining some things in the Bible and asking questions. Maybe it was simply sitting down and being still. But the reality is, is each of us has the opportunity to be like those wonderful people of faith that each of us have in our lives. For me, I have my grandmother Springer, who just had this Bible that she wore out, her first one, so she had to get a second one. Then she wore this one out, and this is the second cover that my grandfather made for her, because she wore out this Bible so much. If you look at it, it's just riddled with her notes, and it's almost unreadable. But the reality is, is that I'm not now saying, okay... The takeaway from this message is you need to get a Bible and you need to just like sit and not do anything else but take notes in it. No, it's not that at all. It's understanding that those anxious thoughts don't have to win. Those stories that I feel like are defining me, they don't have to define me. They're usually lies. I'm not a bad dad and I'm not a great dad. I'm a dad. I'm not a bad husband and I'm not a great husband. I'm a husband. I'm not a bad Jesus follower or a good Jesus follower. I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah. 
Do we get the idea? The reality is, is we live in this world that wants to quantify and detail every single thing, and that's not helpful for those of us who overthink and get anxious. That's not helpful for those of us who fight this battle against anxious thoughts. So here's how I want to end today. I'm going to invite the elders of the church forward. We're going to do something really, really biblical. In the fifth chapter of James' epistle, that's a letter, I'm going to bring the elders forward of our church. In the fifth chapter of James, it talks about, is any of you sick? Bring the elders of the church forward and pray with laying on of hands and anointing of oil. Now, there's many ways to be sick. There's, there's sick physically, but there can also be sick with these anxious thoughts. If you are fighting your battle against anxious thoughts today, I want to, as we do our last song, and I'm going to invite the worship team forward, I want to invite you to do something brave today. My ask is I want you to come down and follow the biblical model, and one or more elders, we want to pray for you. If you're willing to let us anoint you, we'd love to anoint you. We've got some anointing oil here. We've prayed over it. It's not magical. We know that the prayer of faith makes all the difference. We want to pray for you. We want to journey with you in your battle today if you are battling against those anxious thoughts. And I want to invite you to do that brave thing. You're going to see me go first because sometimes it's hard to be the first person to go. And I'm going to ask someone, I won't pick on anyone, but I'm going to ask someone to be second because I know it's hard to be second. And then let's take some time and let's follow this model and let's say, God, I don't want to keep losing the battle against my anxious thoughts. Lord, I want, I want your solution for my life and I want to start living free of those.